Today we are uh, wrapping up the series we've been in called Corners, Uh, and over the past uh, three weeks we've been taking a look at the areas of our lives, the corner areas that are kind of dirty, haven't had as much focus and attention as they need uh, to have, but they're they're, they're in the corners, so nobody can really see them, right? If you were to take a look at your life on the surface, it it would look majority, it would look good, but if you were to dig a little bit deeper, uh, focus in on a few things, you may see some things that we don't really want other people to see. But we want to deal with those things because we just believe it's the, it's the corner areas of our lives that uh, are the biggest contributing factors to our success, our growth, our happiness, and even our peace, a sense of peace that we have. And uh, we've been using a quote to frame this series. You should know it by now, hopefully, if you've been here, is that we never rise to the level of our expectations, but we always fall to the level of our training. We never rise to the level of our expectations, but we always fall to the level of our training, meaning that we all want change, right? We all want to grow. We all want to succeed, but we can't wish it into existence. I can't wish more money in my bank account. I can't wish my physique to be better. I can't wish... Uh, for my behavior to change unless I actually make a decision to change it. And we've just said that 2017 has the potential to be a great year, but we have to be intentional about changing our behavior, changing our daily habits, uh, changing things that we do on a consistent basis. And that I've been challenging myself and all of you to make 2017 a year of no excuses. All right? Four weeks, never got an amen from that, but it's okay. It's okay. No excuses. It's this year. If you don't do something, it's not going to be somebody else's fault. It's not going to be something else's fault. There may be explanations, but we're not going to give away the guilt and the responsibility to anybody else. We're going to take responsibility for our lives, and we're going to bring our best at every turn possible because God gave us his best in Jesus. We're not earning anything. We're just bringing our best because we owe it to him, and we owe it to ourselves to bring our best. So at the end of the day, we can look back and say, that didn't happen because I didn't do that. Hey, this happened because I did that. That happened because God is God, and he did what I could not right? So that's really why we're getting all up in your business in this series, okay? And so the business that we've got up in first week was your spiritual corner. I believe the most important corner. I just gave you three things. If you do every day, I guarantee you it'll change your life. If you'll pray every day, if you'll read your Bible every day, and if you will speak God's word over your life every day, it'll change you. Simple stuff. Week two, your physical corner. We talked about honoring God with our bodies. And I said, there's three things that we can do to honor God with our bodies. Simple things. We're going to eat well. We are going to eat to live, not live to eat, right? I know we got access to tons of food, but we're just going to be sensible about what we eat. We're going to eat with discretion and control, okay? Number two, we are going to sleep well. We all need rest. You need to make rest and sleep a priority. I know you think you can go on four hours of sleep and you'll be okay, but you won't. You won't. Arrested you is a lot better than an exhausted, filled up on caffeine and monster and rock star you. I guarantee it. All right? Rest trumps those things every day. Rest well. Here's number three. That was move well. Get your heart rate up. Get some sweat going on, right? Be be active in some degree in your life. And then last week, we talked about your financial corner, right? I asked how many of you want to be more successful financially. Everybody raised their hand. I said, not how much you want to have more money, because we all want more money, but be more successful, that we could make a decision in 2017 and beyond to be the best manager and steward of the resources that we have. We all want more, and we all want God to give us more, but why would he give us more if we can't manage what we have, 
right? And I gave you three things you can do to be more successful financially. Number one, that was give some. Make giving a priority. Give to God first. You can give to others. Secondly, save some money. Think long-term versus short-term. That we're not going to buy now, pay later. We're going to save now, buy later. Super exciting. I know. I know. And then thirdly, I said spend some. That was the exciting part. Enjoy the resources that God has given you, but just spend money with discretion and control. Have a budget. Have a plan. You'll be happier. All right? This week, what I want to talk about is our thought-slash-emotional corner. I had, I had many different options. I thought maybe we could talk about time. We could talk about relationships. But we're starting a relationship series next week called From This Day Forward. It's going to be really good. Um, but I really came down to this idea of thoughts and emotions because I think they're so powerful. I think they, they, they exert so much influence over us. In fact, it's all the influence over us is our thoughts and our emotions. But we don't often like to, to dig into those things. I mean, how many of you just enjoy talking about your thoughts, talking about your feelings? You know, most of us... Do. <laughs> Most of us don't. We don't enjoy that. But I wanted to dig into that because I think that if we'll begin to address our thoughts, number one, our emotions will come into line. I'm a believer personally that thoughts precede emotions. Now, you can, you can go out and, and go online and go to the library and do some research and find that even in the psychology world, there's some, there's some discussion on that. But if you look throughout Scripture, you don't really find God giving a specific prescription on how to deal with your emotions as much as he talks about dealing with your thoughts. That if you'll deal with your thought life, I believe your emotions will eventually come into line with that. He goes so far to say this, you've been transformed by the renewing of your mind. And we'll talk about that. You now have the, if you're a Christ follower, the mind of Christ. He doesn't say you'll have the emotions of Christ, but the mind of Christ. And that's what I want to talk about today are those thoughts and emotions. Because what I believe is, is, is that thoughts precede almost everything that we do. They precede the actions that we take, right? Thoughts are our determinations of how we feel about ourselves, our, our sense of self-worth and value, the opinion we hold of ourselves. We stand in front of a mirror, and before you walk out the door, you have thoughts, and those thoughts are accompanied by feelings, and you're either going to walk out of the door liking who you are or not liking who you are, ready for the day or defeated before the day, and it all began with the thoughts in your mind. The other thing that I think is interesting is that we live in a culture and society that doesn't necessarily believe that thoughts precede emotions. We believe we live in a society and a culture, really a world that says emotions reign supreme, right? It's about your emotions. I mean, emotions are the bedrock of marketing. I mean, when a marketer is trying to sell you something, they're not trying to convince you logically that you need it. They want to elicit an emotion from you. It's like the ad I saw, iPhone 7 is happiness. No, it's a phone, right? It's a phone. I want you to feel that you're not happy. You don't feel as good unless you're holding an iPhone 7 in your hand, right? That you need to drive this car because it's going to make you feel amazing when it's just a car after a couple weeks, and especially if you have kids, right? It's, it, it, a car becomes a collection for Cheetos and Cheerios and, and chicken nuggets and all that kind of stuff, right? It's a car, we want to elicit an emotion, but we live in a society that says if it's about feeling, we want to feel a certain way. We want, to, we want to go to an event and walk away. We talk about how we felt about it. It gets to the point where now we're using emotions to discern truth, 
right? If it feels good, it is good. If it doesn't feel right, then maybe it's not right. But if it feels right for you, good. It doesn't feel right for me, so it's not good. But the reality is, is that truth can never be subject or relative to our emotions at any given point or time. Truth is truth. Situationally, things may not be the same. It may be true that you're sick, but it's true that I'm not sick. I'm talking about absolute truth. Absolute truth is not relative. Okay? And I know that absolute truth is not a popular term in our culture today, but there is such thing as absolute truth. But emotions can never be used to discern that. Ravi Zacharias says this, and he's brilliant. If you ever want to be challenged, listen to Ravi Zacharias. He says, we're trying to reach a culture that listens with its eyes and thinks with its emotions. A culture that listens with its eyes and thinks with its emotions, meaning that we are no longer a society that can think logically, that can reason. You think about emotions, bedrock of marketing. Now it's the bedrock of politics. Yeah? I want to elicit feelings from you. I mean, you just look at the landscape, the news. It's not about truth anymore. It's about emotions. And if we can rile each other up emotionally, then we've won. And that's permeated our mindset and our culture. And and even within Christianity, being Christ followers, where we now use emotions to determine God's will for our life. If I don't feel good about a certain thing, then I may just go somewhere else where I'll feel better. Right? If I got a problem with you, I don't really know if I want to follow Matthew 18 and come and talk to you about it. I just want to feel good. So I'll go tell somebody else about you. And then I'll look for them to confirm my feeling and my opinion of you. And then I, it must be God because we're two or three are gathered. Right? In your name. You know? So we use emotions. And we just, I want to feel good. I want to feel God. Hey, I do too. But God isn't a feeling. Truth isn't a feeling. Being in a relationship with God isn't a feeling. And we have to come to the point where we begin to deal with our thoughts. Because I really believe if we deal with our thoughts, we will now, our emotions will begin to come in line with that. I want to share with you today three things that you can do. You see a pattern in the series. It's always three, right? I don't think there's anything magical about three. It's just I can get through three quicker than I can get through four. And I think you appreciate that. Three things that you can do for the mind. I spent eight years working for Joyce Meyer Ministries. I spent a portion of those years on the phone taking orders. And the number one resource, number one book, best-selling book that she's ever written is Battlefield of the Mind. She never thought it would be, but it is. Battlefield of the Mind, it continues to sell. And it outsells every other book that she makes. Battlefield of the Mind. She also has a teaching series called Where the Mind Goes, the Man Follows. Based on this thought from Proverbs, and I want to jump off this thought and get into the message, is that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a person thinks in his or her heart, so is he or she. How you think about yourself determines what you do. The thoughts you have before you leave your house in the morning are going to have a direct impact on the actions you take and how you interface with other people around you. So that's what I want to dig in today is our thoughts. I'm not going to talk so much about our emotions as our thoughts. And I want to take you to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. And here's the first point in this message is think. I want us to think about what we're thinking about. Sounds simple, right? But how often do we do? How often do we think about what we really are thinking about? Here's Paul. Paul's writing to the Corinthian church. Right? He's writing to a group of people who are believers, and he's writing to them and addressing a very specific issue in their culture where these Christian people are thinking 
the way that the world thinks. Now, the city of Corinth was a, a very worldly city. What do I mean by that? They were very sensual. They were very godless. They did not have a strong sense of morality. They, they did a lot of crazy things. If you would look up uh, the city of Corinth and read about it, you would find a lot of parallels with their own current culture. And because these people didn't necessarily grow up in Christian homes, they had grown up uh, living according to the world's system, to the city of Corinth, and how, what the viewpoint was, and what the worldview was, and what the values were. And Paul is addressing them, and he tells them, hey, you guys are thinking carnally. Now, that word is a word we don't really use anymore, but what he's saying is you guys are not thinking the way that God thinks. You are living your life according to the way the world thinks, and you can't do that. I find that as an amazing parallel with where we currently are. I think if we would take the current state of the church, let's say in the Western world, right, we would find that the average person probably is close, more closely aligned to the way the world thinks than to the way that God actually thinks. Okay? I just want to talk a little bit about that. So here's what he says when he gets to verse 5. He said, look, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. If it's okay with you, what I would like to do is just walk through this verse a little bit, just kind of, kind of break it down. The first statement he makes is this, we demolish. Now, the word demolish literally means to destroy, to pull down and take down. Now, what are we pulling down and what are we taking down? He says, every argument and pretension that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. An argument and a pretension. It is a, it is a, a reckoning, a reasoning, a, a, a system of thought, an imagination, right? And, and, and an assertion, a pretension. Some translations say every lofty thing. It is a way of looking at the world. It is a, a, a system of thought. He said, we destroy those. Why are we destroying these arguments and pretensions? He said, because they are exalting themselves up against the knowledge of God. Now, that phrase, exalting itself up against, literally means to lift itself up with pride. Right? The Bible says that pride right, is against him. With pride, it's lifting itself up and saying, I am truth, I am right. What does my basis say? It doesn't really know, but I'm, I'm just right. Against the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? The understanding of who God is and his truth. God's truth is absolute truth. So the, the arguments, the knowledge, the system of thought that was prevalent there in Corinth and prevalent in the world is always going to be against the knowledge of God because it doesn't have its roots in God. It has its roots in man. And man's desire is to always prove that he doesn't need God, right? That we know better, that conventional wisdom is better than spiritual wisdom or than God's wisdom. So Paul's saying, hey, look, we have to be able to identify the thoughts in our lives, the arguments that we are making inside of ourselves, or maybe even articulating that are against the knowledge of God. Here's a problem that I see. I find that, unfortunately, and I'm not going to say majority, I'm just going to say a number of people who could call themselves Christ followers, Christians, do not know what the knowledge of God is. And if you don't have an understanding of the knowledge of God, the truth of God, it becomes very difficult to identify in your life what arguments and thoughts and imaginations are against the knowledge of God. 
Part of the issue is, is because we want to feel something. We want to be able to participate in an activity where someone else does the research and presents the material in such a way where it moves us emotionally and we feel good about it when we leave, but we don't take the time to assimilate it and appropriate it in our own lives and understand it. Case in point is this. We don't really read the Bible anymore. The majority of people don't. I don't know if it's fair to say majority. It just feels like it, all right? A number of people. I make that statement because I'm amazed, even in myself, at how we can be so divided within Christianity about what is truth, okay? And what we actually believe. Here's my encouragement to you this morning. If you want to know what the knowledge of God is, you've got to crack this thing open or turn it on or download the app, however you access it. And you have to do it for you. I cannot be the one who understands and, and knows you know, the knowledge of God for you. I'm not on hire for you. All right? Nor is it my responsibility. It's not my primary responsibility to make sure you know. It's your primary responsibility to make sure you know. It's my job to, to bring some truth and hopefully it helps and, and can clarify it. But you need to take that responsibility on yourself and know. How do we do that? How do we, how do we identify those thoughts? It's part of studying and reading because the Bible is his revelation and his expression of truth and his character and who he is. What I think a lot of us do is this, or a number of us, is, is we base our experience of our knowledge of God. Let me say that back up. We base our knowledge of God on an experience that we've had and the emotions that we felt. That so many years, months, or whatever ago, I was here, they sang this song, God moved, I felt this, therefore God is always going to make me feel this for me to know it's true or right. And I have to get back in the same position, in the same environment, for for me to feel that feeling. What God wants us to do is move beyond the feelings. He may have done that to reveal himself, but the word of God will always trump your experience. If the experience you had with God does not line up with what this says, your experience is wrong. I'm sorry, it is. And we can't make this fit into our experiences. I heard people say, well, God told me this. And I'm like, well, let's go here. And you read and you see what God told them is so contrary to who he is. I'm like, God didn't tell you that. Well, sure he did, because how would you know what God told me? You know, I don't know when God speaks to you or not. But what I do know is that this has to be the standard. This has to be the barometer. And if it doesn't line up, it ain't truth. You're right? And so, but we have to be able to do that in our life, in our own life, to say, God, I know I felt these things, and it's great. It's great when we feel God. But when we don't, what are we basing our relationship on God with? It is the truth revealed to us by the Holy Spirit, not the emotion that accompanied that truth. It's the truth of who God is. And truth is not a feeling. Truth is so powerful. One of the creators of the atomic bomb said that the truth is the most powerful weapon on the face of the earth. Pilate stood before Jesus and asked him a question, what is truth? And then turned around and walked away and didn't even wait for the answer. What is truth? Now, if you have an understanding of what truth is, the knowledge of God is, how we combat thoughts and arguments that exalt themselves up is this. Paul says that we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Now, is Paul saying that we have to sit in a room and just write down every thought that we have and then make sure that it's in line? No. 
I think what Paul is saying is when you have an understanding of truth, you then can identify those things that are not uh, according to the knowledge of God, and you can use, you take it captive, and you make, then make it obedient to Christ. Let me give you an example. I myself struggle with fear, with anxiety, and insecurity. I have for a long time, ever since I can remember. There are thoughts that bombard my mind on a consistent basis that are full of fear, that are full of insecurity, and full of anxiety. I can now, when I understand what God's word says is this, that he's not given me a spirit of fear. He's not given me a spirit of, uh, uh, he's not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. That perfect love casts out all fear. What I then begin to understand is I have this thought that is a fearful thought. Where does fear come from? It doesn't come from God. Therefore, the fearful thought I have is against the knowledge of God, so I need to take that captive and I make it obedient to Christ, to the message of the gospel. Here's, here's a more, here's a more uh, I guess, an easier example uh, in my own life. I, for the past year, uh, participated in a small group of other pastors, right? And uh, I go into this small group. It's down at, at their, our headquarters in Springfield, and I'm with all these pastors I've never really met. I'm sitting in the room. The moment I walk in the room, I'm already feeling insecure. I'm already feeling like I don't belong because I've only been doing this two and a half years. I don't know what I'm doing. And there's people in the room, so I'm fighting this insecurity. There's a particular uh, guy in the room who right away, I don't know why, I just felt the most insecure around, and I begin to think, you know, hey, I don't, uh, he doesn't like me. He thinks I'm stupid. I made this comment, and his nose twitched that way, and he dropped his head and he shrugged his shoulders. Oh God, he just, oh man, he just doesn't like me. And then I, so I just begin to believe that, right? And that, that just built and it layered and it layered and it layered and the group ended and, and I would see him post on Facebook and I would be like, oh man, you know, and all these feelings would arise. You know what happened last week? That guy sent me a message on Facebook and said, hey, I'm going to be in the area. Would you like to have lunch? I said, sure, I'd love to. We sit down for lunch, had an amazing conversation, had so much in common. And you know what I realized? I spent a whole year believing stupidity. I spent a whole year believing something was real that never existed. I spent a whole year feeling insecure, feeling afraid, and feeling not good enough, not because anybody said it, but because that thought arose in my head. And instead of taking it captive and making obedience to Christ, which here's what, what I should have done, saying, you know what? Number one, this dude doesn't even know me, so how can he know if he likes me? Number one. Number two, God says that I'm accepted, I'm beloved, that I have the mind of Christ, that I have gifts and talents for which he called me to do, and that he gave me all of those things even before I was born, even before I ever did anything. And he expressed that love for me in Jesus when he died on the cross while I was still a sinner. That's what the obedience of Christ says about me. Now, had I done that, I could have kicked it out in five minutes. Right? But no, 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 no. I decided to go a whole year (laughs) thinking less of myself, not because of what someone said, but because of what I allowed myself to believe. Here's what I believe. I believe that there are individuals in this room today, and you are bound up and in prison to your thoughts and to your emotions. That you are living in a reality that does not exist, a reality that someone along the line may have spoken into you, someone may have said, you're not good enough, you don't have what it takes, you'll never be successful, you can try that, but you'll fail, and you're rehearsing those thoughts over and over in your life, that person's no longer here, that person may have been close to you, they may have not been close to you, but those thoughts are exalting themselves up against the knowledge of God on the inside of you. 
And I want, to, I want you to know this. As I was praying this week, I believe that God wants to set you free. God is able to set you free. God is willing and will work with you. And I wish that we could just say, God, take it away, and he would take it away, and maybe he's done that with you. But I do believe that it's off, he, more often than not, he doesn't do that, and we have to choose to participate in this process. So when those thoughts come and you're standing in the mirror, you recognize those thoughts, and you take them captive. That word captive literally means to lead away. I'm going to lead that thought away. I'm not going to let it sink its roots in my brain, right, and in my mind, because it's going to build a little house there, right? And then tomorrow's going to come along, and that shack's going to become a duplex, and that duplex's going to become a ranch, and that ranch is going to become a mansion. And then before you know it, everybody I come into contact with, I'm going to think they don't like me. I'm going to be defensive. I'm going to be offended. I'm going to be, the world hates me, and I'm stupid, and I'm going to live this way. It just, boom, it blows up really quick. And you can't even discern reality and the pseudo-reality that you live in. That's what happens. I'm not talking about these thoughts that are just so crazy far out of left field, which those happen too. I'm talking about just the daily things that we deal with. You take them captive and you make them obedient to Christ. That's the first one. Think about what you're thinking about. What thoughts do you need to deal with is my question for you. What thoughts keep popping up in your mind that then elicit an emotional response and then you act upon that response to make yourself feel better having never dealt with the thought where it originated from in the first place. You all know those thoughts individually. Give you a spot on the back of your notes so you can write, it says goals, but what are the thoughts you need to deal with? What are the things you need to think about what you're thinking about? So once we do that, once we tear it down, now we've got to build it back up, right? We've got we to put a replacement thought in there, truth in there. That comes to number two, which is renew. We are going to renew. What does the word renew mean? It literally means to renovate and to build back up. 2016, we tore down a part of our building. We demolished it. We destroyed it. We, we did more than we thought we had to. We're going to have to. And we got all the junk out, and we used more um, dumpster things than we, we thought we were going to. We destroyed it all, and then we built it back up. We renovated it, and we built it back up into the space that would facilitate what we wanted it to facilitate in a better, more efficient way, but required a destruction and then a building back up. I want to read to you from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says this, Paul writing to the, the Romans, he said, hey, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You'll notice he didn't say emotions. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He says, hey, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern of this world? The thought system, the perspective, the worldview. Don't allow yourself to be continually conformed to that. I like that he says that because he's giving us the, the understanding that, hey, we didn't always grow up believing in God. Whether you started believing as a kid or maybe as an adult, we weren't always given the opportunity to understand the pattern of God. So, hey, just letting you know. At some point, you're going to have to make a decision to stop conforming yourself to the world system of thought and begin to conform yourself to God's system of thought. So don't be conformed. But here's what I want. I want you to be transformed, changed from one thing to another. I I want you to renovate your mind. Be renewed in your mind. doesn't say in your emotions, in your mind. God wants to renovate your mind. God wants to destroy those thoughts that are against him in your mind. Those thoughts that are tearing you down, he wants to tear those thoughts down so he can build you up. Amen? 
Okay? So renovate your mind. So how do we renew our minds? Number one, God, it goes back to this. You got to know what God says about you. All right? You got to know truth. You got to pray every day. You got to read every day. Right? Now, we're not working for something. We're participating in something. And this is just what we do. Right? We, we spend time in prayer. We spend time reading God's word. We get understanding of it. And then we begin to see. If it's like me, if it's fear, anxiety, and insecurity, then I know what I have to do is I got to choose to play offense and not defense. I played football growing up. I spent a majority of time on the offensive line. And, and we had, didn't really have good quarterbacks. We didn't pass much. We ran the ball a lot. Okay? What you learn as an offensive lineman is this. You get to the line. You have, you have your center. You have everybody else. There's a certain count. He's going to say down, set, hike, whether it's on one, it's on two, whatever. Once the, that call comes in, your job as an offensive lineman is to fire off that line with every ounce of energy and forward motion you have to hit the defensive lineman or the linebacker in front of you as hard as you can, as quick as you can, before he hits you so you can establish what's called the line of scrimmage and move the ball forward. What you don't do is say, down, set, hike, stand up, and let the defensive lineman put you on your back. That's stupid, and it'll get you knocked out, and you probably won't play anymore. Coach isn't going to put you in. But you get up there, you get down in your stance, you're in a specific position and stance with your body weight mostly going forward, your heels off the ground, focused, lined up, ready to fire in a straight line, and focus your energy on one specific point, and you want to drive that guy back and put him on his and put him on his back as fast and quickly as you can. You want to destroy the dude. That's what you want to do. Okay? In the same way, renewing is playing offense rather than defense. If you know, myself, anxiety, faith, fear, insecurity, I'm going to get up in the morning, and before I allow these thoughts to bombard my mind, I'm going to play offense, meaning I'm going to begin to declare God's word over my life. Part of my daily ritual is this, Father, I thank you. You have not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. I thank you that your perfect love cast out all fear. God, I thank you that your word declares that I am seated at your right hand above all power, above all principality and dominion. Father, I thank you that I'm accepted and I'm beloved, that I'm gifted and I'm talented because your Holy Spirit is within me. And you just play offense. Like Before those thoughts can hit my mind, I'm renewing my mind with the word of God with the truth of God's word. I'm not renewing my mind by, with, with, with some, something else. No, I'm going to renew it. I'm going to play offense. That's what I want you to do. I want you to play offense in your life and not defense. I want you to get up with some purpose, some intention, and some fire in your belly and say, I don't care what Tom says about me. I don't care what she said about me. I don't care what my father, what my mother, what my grandfather, what my aunt, what my uncle, what my coworker says about me. God, this is what you say about me. You've got to make a decision to play offense in your life. You can say, God, well, just God's going to take it away. Maybe. Has he? No. Okay, let's go back to this and see what he wants me to do. He wants me to assimilate it. He wants me to appropriate it in my life. And if you'll do that, I guarantee your thought life will change. And what else will happen is now your emotions will change. Because I could ask the question, how many want to feel better? Y'all raise your hand. Yeah, I want to feel better. Well, here's the thing. I want to feel better too. And I've spent life, parts of my life trying to feel better. And it made me feel better momentarily. But the parts of my life where I say, I'm going to deal with my thoughts, it always brings sustainable change. Not momentary change, sustainable change. Case in point, I got done preaching for a service, and I walked back there to go to the bathroom, and here's the thought that came in my mind. I'm just going to be honest. Well, that sucked. <laughs> no lie. Seriously. Well, that sucked. 
And I thought, dude, you know what? Why wouldn't I be thinking that? I just told all these people not to think that way. And I had a decision in that moment to say, yep, you're right. That did suck, Josh. <laughs> or to say, you know what? It didn't. Maybe I can improve. But God, I thank you. I made a decision right there in that moment. I don't want to get up here and preach this message. I have more fear and anxiety about preaching this message than any message. Why? Because it's about thoughts. It's about the stuff I struggle with. I want to play offense. I want to play offense and renew my mind with that. Here's what happens. This leads to the third thing. You think about what you're thinking about. You renew your thoughts with God's word and his truth. Here's the result of that. It's what Paul says right after renewing your mind. Then, he says then. You know you can't begin a sentence with then, right? Unless it's referring back to something else. Like a book never begins with then. Okay? (laughs) Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and perfect will for your life. How many of you say, I want to know what God's will is for my life? I want to know what my purpose is. I want to know why I'm here. Part of that is being renewed in your mind, thinking about what you're thinking about, knowing God's truth. You say, well, what's God's will? The word will literally means a determination, a desire for how things should be in your life. God created you, and there has a should be for your life. The enemy, people, ourselves, we can get in and we can mess around with that, but God's will is permanent for you, and he'll bring you back into it. So if you be renewed by your mind, you know God's truth. God's will isn't a feeling, right? You can understand. He says to test and approve. Renewing your mind gives you the ability to identify and understand what God's will is for your life. Not just his will, his good. What does good mean? It literally means good. It means useful. It means excellent. It means distinguished. That's what the word good here. God's distinguished, excellent, useful will for your life. And then he says his pleasing will for your life. What's that mean? It means it's agreeable. It's agreeable. And then here's the word where it kind of throws us off. He says his perfect will. Well, what about perfect? Because my idea of perfect is like, you know, nothing wrong with it whatsoever. But the word perfect here means complete. It's God's complete will for your life, that it wants nothing more. That before you were ever born, that when God created you, he had a good, a pleasing, and a complete will for your life. Now, what I'm not saying is, is that if you do this, God's going to give you the roadmap and it's going to tell you everywhere to turn, how to make every step. No, he's going to, he's going to lead you, but you're not going to be using your emotions to discern God's will for your life. Why did you do that? Well, it felt good. Why didn't you do that? Oh, it didn't feel good. You know, it's kind of like this. God, we, we, we pray for a job. God gives us a job. We're, we're excited. We're happy. And three months in, we don't like our boss. And so we say, well, that must not have been God because now it's hard. Because now it doesn't feel good. Man, I miss God because now I don't feel the feelings I felt. <coughs> That's the stuff we have to grow beyond. This, you know, some people believe if it's hard, it ain't God. That's not true. Just because it's difficult, it often means it could be pretty, most likely is God, right? And he's teaching us something, and he's molding us, and he's shaping us, and he's teaching us not to live on the basis of our feelings, but on the basis of his truth and his word. I just believe this is more pertinent now than ever. And Tim can come back. More important now than ever. Ravi Zacharias is right. We live in a culture that listens with its eyes and thinks with its emotions. Truth. People talk about fake news and, and Facebook, and they just want the media to report truth. It's not about truth anymore, people. It's not about truth. It's about whatever we can put out there that will make you feel however they want to make you feel to sway them to your side. It is incumbent upon us 
as Christ followers, not to pick up a megaphone and scream at people, not to just be right, but to know what truth is, to know what God's truth is, and to make that the standard by which we live our lives, to stand up and say, I'm going to go to this to be the determination and the barometer of truth. I'm going to set my feelings aside. I'm going to set my opinions aside. And I'm going to look and I'm going to pray that God help me to know what truth is. Help me to make the decision in my heart that, Father, your truth is higher than my emotions. And may I not look for confirmation of how I feel. May I not look for just confirmation of my opinion with other people or whatever thing. God, let me just go back to you first. I think a simple thing that we can do, prayer, that we can wrap around this is, number one, you can come to it and you say, well, how? I don't really know what I'm thinking about most of the time anyway. And I know I love God. As I would say the most of us here do. I don't know. I'm going to assume. You love God. You want to do the right thing. You, you want to listen to his truth, but you just, man, I struggle. I, I don't know. I'm so emotionally involved in all of this that I'm having trouble. Here's my thing for you. Just pray. Invite God into your thought process. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to to identify those thoughts I need to take captive and lead away. Help me. Lord, help me. I don't really know a lot of scripture right now, and and I'm trying. I just need help. Help me to renew my mind. Help me to be transformed in my mind. Because you're probably looking at a plethora of things, and the Holy Spirit will just pinpoint certain things in your life. I know I got a lot of junk to work on, but it seems when I invite the Holy Spirit, he just takes his finger and says, this. Deal with this. And then you go in that direction. You lead it away. You take it captive. He renews you. And then he takes you over here. He says, I I want you to deal with this. Deal with this. The third point, I didn't tell you, but it's act. It's it's making a decision to, to take an action. Before you just run out and do stuff because you feel it, stop and think. Renew and then make the decisions in your life. I said this before, that I really believe that there are some of us in the room today that are really struggling in our thoughts and in our emotions. I believe some of you are just in prison in your thoughts, in your emotions. You feel like there's no way out. You're living out your life because of what someone else has said, right? That your, your course, your direction, your will is being determined by other people's opinion of you, other people's ideas for you. And what you need is God's idea and opinion for your life. What I, I wanted to do, I didn't do this first service. I felt like I should. I just ignored it. I didn't do it. Is, is that I'm going here in just a moment. I'm going to invite down any, any person on our prayer team, any, any board member and any elder that we have. And I'm going to invite you to come and then pray. If you say, I just need prayer. Whether it's, maybe it's your thoughts. Maybe it's just something completely different. I need prayer. And if you don't come forward, that's okay. We're going we're gonna to worship. I'm going to ask you all to stand. Could you stand for me right now? Stand. I'm going to ask you just to spend time in worship and just worshiping God. Maybe it's just all you need today is just to to lift your hands and make a declaration. This is who God is. Maybe you just need to be reminded this is who God is. This is his knowledge. This is his plan for my life. This is what his word says for my life. Because his word, the Bible says this in Isaiah, that the word of God, it always prospers for that which it was intended. And it never, ever returns void. Ever. So if, if our prayer teams could come around right now, any, any person who's an elder, board member, you can come, I'll be down here. I'm going to say a prayer over you, and Tim's going to sing, and maybe even bring down the lights a little bit. 
um, or worship queue. That's fine. And uh, we'll just invite you to come if you need prayer. And then I'll get back up and I'll dismiss. We're ahead of schedule right now, so it's okay. Your kids are going to be fine. Don't worry about any of that. Just take this opportunity for you. Let me pray over you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person in the room right now. Father, I thank you in a culture that which we live where truth is getting harder to discern by the moment. Holy Spirit, I ask you, you are the spirit of truth. You are the spirit of wisdom. You are the spirit of knowledge. I ask you to reveal to us, God, what truth is. Help us to make the decision that, Father, we're going to live according to your truth, according to your word. Lord, I pray right now for every individual that's struggling in their thought life, that is bound up and they feel like they're in prison. Number one, Father, I pray for freedom in the name of Jesus Christ. Your word declares that we're the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom your word says that we have the mind of Christ and I just release that over every individual right now they begin to claim I have the mind of Christ that I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus that no weapon formed against me shall prosper that every tongue that rises in defense against me you shall show to be in the wrong father I thank you that your word says you speak life over us you declare things that we can't even begin to understand and fully process over us So we just pray, Lord, in this moment we have, we can worship and we can come forward if we need it and receive prayer. We pray in Jesus' name.